So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Psalm 90, verse 12. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. So in the gospel that we just heard, the man asks the the right question, right? How can I inherit eternal life? A question we all human beings should ask, and should ask specifically Jesus, the answer to that question. And Jesus gives the general template under the old covenant of obedience to the law, because of course he himself has not yet died and been raised from, uh, from the dead. So the new covenant has not yet been instituted. So faithfulness to God looks like keeping the commandments. And the man said, yes, I've done all those things. And I, did you catch that little detail? It really stuck out to me hearing it this week. Um, when Jesus says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Right? Jesus isn't trying to just add rules. He sees right into this man's heart and sees, yes, all of God's people are um, called to obey the Ten Commandments. But he reckon, Jesus saw what this one man in his particular life, in his particular journey and discipleship, the one thing he needed to be able to inherit eternal life. Luke mentions at the beginning that he's a rich young man. Um, and of course we see that in the middle of this passage, that he had great wealth. And so Jesus saw that for this man... To follow, to, to inherit eternal life, to be an obedient participant in God's covenant, meant for him selling all that he had. And that's not a universal call. God doesn't call every single person to sell all that they have, but he does call some people to do that, specifically the one for whom that would be a necessary piece of their discipleship because of how deeply riches had got a hook in his heart. And it's really, I mean, this is really sort of like a mirror image to the calling of the disciples, right? When Jesus calls Levi, the tax collector, he gets up and says he leaves everything on the table and leaves everything there and just goes and follows him. And this man was called to do the same thing and says he did not follow him. So it's it's actually a rejection of, of following Jesus and refusing to let go of the one thing of this world that he was more committed to than the promise of inheriting eternal life. He actually knew what he was turning down. He calls him good. He calls him teacher. And and Jesus says, this is the thing to do for you if you want to inherit eternal life. And he said, I'd rather have my riches. I'd rather have this thing I'm holding on to in this life than inherit eternal life. How disheartening. As it says, he left disheartened. So the first takeaway from this gospel that I'd like to present to you this morning is to actually ask God the Holy Spirit, even right now, Lord, is there anything that I'm clinging to, that in my own personal journey, that it's something that I love possibly more than the promise of eternal life? Because that's the thing, that in great love, not in scolding, not in just trying to add rules, but because God wants you to have eternal life. He wants you to, to give that thing to Him so it's not weighing you down and keeping you from receiving the promise of eternal life. So for each of us, and it can be different in different seasons of life, I'm even sort of trying to think, now Lord, what is it in my heart? Is there anything in this world that I'm clinging to that if faced with a clear fork in the road between it and eternal life, I might be tempted to choose it for shame. But the Holy Spirit wants us out of love to let go of that thing, the, one, the thing He knows that we are most bound by so that we can receive his invisible promises. Invisible in this life, that will be visible in the next. 
So I invite you to think about that. Um, I even want to take, so it's not just a blow on, blow forward. Let's, um, let's just take 10 or 20 seconds. Just think, Lord, please shine light into our minds if there's anything that we individually, unique to ourselves, are holding on to potentially more tightly than your promise of eternal life. And I invite you, um, especially when we pray in a few, just a few minutes here, we pray our confession, um, to say, Lord, I don't want to hold on to that thing. Help me to let go of it. And to that end, um, the scripture, the psalm this morning, I think is just perfectly paired with this um, invitation to let go of the thing of this life that, is, uh, that we hold most tightly to in the psalm that says, remember that we're all going to die. Remember that we're all going to die. It says, um, you say, man, return, O man, to the dust. And, and catch the deep biblical connections here. Um, you kids and teenagers, let me ask you, in Genesis, what stuff did God make Adam out of? Not a short question. Someone yell it out. Dust, dirt, mud, right? God made Adam out of mud. And then we live our life breathe in, uh, by the power of his, his, his will and his spirit. Uh, and then when we die, our bodies slowly decay and turn back again to mud, right? Sometimes it takes hundreds of years if there's embalming and all that sort of stuff, right? But in the end, we're all going to be mud again. And, and there's a really careful needle to thread on this. The Bible tells us, and this is the, the, the great message of Psalm 90, teach us to number our days, to, be, to remember our deaths and to live our life in light of that fact. And not just mortal death itself, but for the Christian, and we, again, this is rehearsed every funeral. For a Christian, life is changed, not ended. When our body grows cold, our soul comes before the living God, and before his judgment seat, and we're found to either be in Christ by faith, or not in Christ. That's specific, and, and for those in Christ, an eternal bliss awaits, and for those not found in Christ, eternal torment. And so when the Bible tells us to remember death, it doesn't just mean remember that your body's going to grow cold. Of course, in David's day, when they were killing animals every day, you know, cold body, like physical death was just an everyday fact. The biblical reminder is remember what's on the other side of that moment of dying, meeting your maker, and being judged accordingly, whether we're found in Christ or not. And so the great, the, the, the great difference here between the world and sometimes in dark hours, the, the Bible is not saying to sort of uh, long for death or be obsessed with death, right? The way sort of goth culture or, or depression can sort of lead to, of like this sort of morose thinking about death. No, it's not. That's depression. That's different from what the Bible's calling us to. The Bible's just saying, remember that that day is coming. And the purpose of that remembrance is to remember what's on the other side of it, coming before God. And if we keep that in view... It's one of the helps that God has given us to pass the test that the rich young ruler failed. So if we remember, this life is really short, right? Just a few short years, as Psalm 90 says over and over again, we're but a breath. It just passes away. It goes so quickly. Just a few short years. And then there's eternity on the other side of that. And if we remember that fact, it can help us to say, well, am I really going to cling to these for the, in the case of the rich young ruler? 
Am I going to cling to these riches for a few years and, and, and lose eternity? Am I going to cling to the thing that my flesh loves against God's will or loves inordinately instead of eternity? And so one of the helps God has given us is if you remember your impending death. It says in the psalm that God is, um, man will live to 70 in strength, even 80. Despite all of our wealth and medical advances, the, median, the average age of death in this country is still 78, just like the psalmist said. And billionaires, I saw some headlines not long ago that all the billionaires are investing all this money to try and find like, ways to, to, to beat death. Uh, they could save their hundreds of millions of dollars if they just read Psalm 90, right? It, it's an illusion that wears a different face like every, every generation. Oh, it, you know, it's as old as the, the alchemists of the Middle Ages. Like, oh, if I made this potion, I will live longer than other humans. doesn't work. It never has and it never will because man's age is finite because God wants us to cling to him and eternal life, not just this brief the, 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 the things that make up this brief mortal life. So if we remember the shortness of life, that's a help that God has given us to help let go of that thing that we might be clinging to too tightly. If the rich young ruler had meditated more on Psalm 90, perhaps, perhaps, he could have responded to God's invitation to let go of the thing that was holding him back in, from, from following Jesus, which is another word for being a Christian, for being a disciple. So, um, those, so those are the two things I, I invite you um, to contemplate this morning. What, what may you be holding on to that the Lord himself would ask you specifically? And it's different for each of us according to our station, right? According to our age and where we're at in life. What, what, what might he be calling us to let go? And then when we find ourselves struggling to do that, to pray, Lord, help me to remember the shortness of this life. Help me to teach me to number my days that I may apply my heart to wisdom. And the Bible says Christ is the wisdom of God. That I may apply my heart to Christ more than the things of this world. That's the double lesson for this morning. Amen.